right, welcome to another edition of Maritime Health and Performance Chat. Today we have former athlete, coach, business owner, Kevin Tebow. So Kevin, we'd love to hear about everything. So the floor is yours. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Yeah, so a little bit about me here, guys. Athletic career, you know, um, I wasn't a super stellar um, you know, athlete with all kinds of gold medals and belts and stuff like that. But, you know, I slug it out there a little bit in my early days in the trenches and, you know, competed in MMA. I competed in, you know, kickboxing, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Muay, I did a Muay Thai fight and so, and, and then kept training, you know, my, my focus actually was turned more towards coaching, you know, because really I was at that point, you know, had a, another professional career of, uh, you know, making a living and having a family and paying bills. And it was kind of hard to, uh, to balance coaching, fighting and uh, your day to my day to day life. So, you know, coaching career, did some fights, did some competitions, did some jujitsu, you know, won some, lost some, you know, as a youth, I did some karate uh, tournaments back in the early days and uh, yeah, kind of moved on to coaching and basically, uh, followed that kind of track coaching since you know early 2000s 2009 is when my team kind of took a new direction and we kind of just went along with that coach professional fighters amateur fighters we now at clinch have a new uh, or have a national muay thai champion youth champion looking towards uh, getting some amateur mma guys this year and and, and working toward building those guys into the highest level athletes and champions as we can make them that sounds unreal now i know you guys have changed the jujitsu school you're under have you not yeah uh let's say geez time flies because of covid and everything right so we're, yeah. we're working on our towards our year anniversary in february i'll say february march be our new um our year where we join on with team lovato based out of oklahoma city um you know that was a, a big change for me you know kind of moving away from my team and my former team and uh some of my business partners and training partners and coaches and uh you know focused on a new direction got a new group of guys at the gym a new partners that have uh, kind of helped us steer into a new direction some guys came over took on bigger roles in the team and yeah we've been super uh, excited we're a little farther behind with the development of the Lovato team that we wanted because we were hoping to have, you know, uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. or and some of his uh, high level coaches here in 2020. But uh, as we know, that didn't quite pan out for us. So I'm looking at 2021 to have Professor Lovato here. Yeah, along him with that team and uh, kind of building with uh, what we can do with this new uh, direction in our jiu-jitsu team. Right on. And you actually got the chance to go down there as well when you were kind of making this transition, didn't you? Yeah, we had to, you know, there was two reasons to go down. Um, we had to go down because you just, you don't just uh, fill out a paper and uh, become one of his instructors. So <laughs> there was a little longer process. Um, we were lucky because my, uh, my other jiu-jitsu coach at the team was formerly a part of the Lovato team before he moved to Nova Scotia. So his coach, who uh, runs uh, Matrix Martial Arts out of Spain, kind of gave us, you know, the, uh, the kickstart and uh, introduced us and kind of boosted our, our ability to join the team along because 
of the uh, the relationship that our other coach at Clinch, Brad Call, has with uh, Team Lovato and uh, and being part of that team previously. So yeah, we went down there. It was the grand opening of his new academy in Oklahoma City. The gym is unrealistic. It's crazy, man. Like when you think of a jiu-jitsu gym or a martial arts gym, you know, this is what you want. It's 10,000 square feet. It's got great changing rooms, brand new mats. It was just unreal. We had on the uh, the jiu-jitsu day because there was a opening uh, Saturday and there were some Muay Thai seminars and um, some stuff like that going on Saturday. And then the big grand opening day was on the Sunday. I think there was right around 250 people on the mats that day. And I'd have to look back, but I think there was 25 black belts of various levels on the mat that day. Yeah. So um, it was just unreal. I'd never been in a, in a situation of having that many high level people in one mat (laughs) at one point in time, man. And all the years I've trained jujitsu, you know, we did some, we did some good seminars here a few years back and that was a great seminar with another, you know, high level coach, but it was just the vibe down there in Oklahoma was something I'd never been like, doesn't matter if the guy had five stripes on his black belt and, you know, had been a high-level coach and won multi-time world champions. He was shaking your hand and having a conversation with you. No egos. There wasn't one egotistical person on the whole entire mat of all those people, whether they were a white belt or multi-time world champion. And that's Lovato and his father, Rafael Sr. You know, all these guys are legends. And, um, yeah, they all treated us like we were part of the family, man. It's, uh, it was unrealistic. Loved the team right from the second I walked in there because they didn't look at you like, who's this strange, random people coming from Canada? They were like, oh, we're the new friend, right? And it was yeah. like, everybody's your friend, man. It was it was amazing, right? So I, I have to give props to those guys. It's, you've never been down and trained in Oklahoma or anywhere in, in you know, that part of the United States, man. Go there. I don't know what other gyms are like down there, but yeah, I know what that one's like. And uh, everybody makes you feel like you're your family. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the big capitals as far as in the States go for uh, wrestling as well. And I love how you mentioned that even regardless of the experience level of these guys, they were all respectful. That's kind of one thing I always notice in especially combat sports, right? Because there's really not ego. Everyone's pretty comfortable. Everyone and, you know, uh, you really have to leave ego at the door. You have to sometimes go a little easier, go a little harder, take your lumps, be able to give them out to someone else, right? Like it's a, usually in combat sports, the room is full of like people who are brand new to people who have been doing it for uh, 20 years. And that kind of, especially in martial arts, that respect side of things really is shown in those kind of situations, especially at such a high level, like training at the Lovato gym. Yeah, it was great, man. You know what we met? It was kind of really, really strange. I'll kind of tell you a little funny story because um, we were there and uh, there's another team here in Halifax called Halifax BJJ. And, uh, you know, they're friends of ours and, you know, respect those guys. You know, hopefully 2021, we can start getting to, to spend some time in the mats with each other and yeah, kind of learn from each other. Yeah, I've pleasure training with uh, Carlos before. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. So so Josh, uh, Josh Whalen, who is... Um, one of the owners of, of that gym with uh, with Joel Jackard. We were there and we're training. And uh, anyway, long story short, his brother's there. So, you know, we're in, we're in Oklahoma City. Not, not only is there another guy from Halifax, <laughs> originally on the mats, you know, he's a brother of uh, another guy who owns a gym in the city, right? So it's, it was kind of funny, right? So, you know, we spent some time with him, got to know his team from Ontario. You know, we were sitting there one day having supper with some guys that, you know, you just met and you're having a conversation with uh, this, this guy, Noah. 
And uh, all of a sudden, you're, he starts talking about his time in the UFC. And next thing you know, you realize that this is the guy you watch on The Ultimate Fighter 3. I think it was two or three. And I was just like, it's just a weird situation, right? You, you just, uh, you never know who you're sitting next to because no one tells you, right? They're not like walking around going out in the ultimate fighter. You're just talking about jujitsu and having a good time. Next thing you know, you find out you've spent hours watching this guy, you know, <laughs> on a TV show that you totally didn't realize it was him, right? So it was, it was hilarious. Oh, that's pretty unreal. Um, you used to be coaching out of a, a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu school. So I know through wrestling and judo, you can usually kind of see styles come about from like a certain club or a certain dojo or something like that. As you made this transition and went down the train there, like is there, is there a difference in styles between the Lovato school and the Gracie school? Um, the answer is yes and no. <laughs> because yes, there is. There's huge, you know, there's certain aspects of the game, of the Lovato game, that is totally different than what I, you know, had previously trained under, you know, with the with Hicks and Gracie style and, and with Shane Rice. Um, you know, there's parts of it that's totally different aspects and concepts and, and the way that Lovato does things and the way that his guard game is played. Um, there's certain things. Now, saying that, there's things that are a lot alike, you know, uh, the basics are the basics, you know, Lovato is super strict on the basics. So when it comes down to the basics of jujitsu, you know what, there's not a huge, that's kind of why this, this team was also a great fit for me personally, where there wasn't a huge gap in the basics. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we were going to, um, not to say they don't have basics, but you know the the concepts, the way they train in like a tenth planet jujitsu would be a little more difficult for me to to jump on with right away. But with the Lovato system, you I mean Lovato originally got his black belt from the Machados, who was you know cousins of uh, the Gracies, and then ended up switching over to Sao Ubero and Sanji Ubero, who you know trained under Hoyler Gracie who was Hickson's brother. So, you know what I mean? The, the system is, is different, but, you know, there's so many similar aspects in, in the key basics of pressure and control and, you know, not a super, like, um, scrambly type style, you know, where you're just kind of throwing things out of nowhere, which, hey, guys do awesome with that, and, and, I, and that's awesome to watch. But this is a super pressure-based style, whether you're on the bottom or the top. So, you know, so that's why I say yes and no. There are certain things that are like, man, I've never done that before, but the basics are the same. So it was more of an addition onto what I've was already training in the past. It's just different. Jiu-Jitsu is Jiu-Jitsu, and as long as the basics are there and you're really teaching your students or training yourself in the basics, you can expand your knowledge with different styles and, and different teams, right? So, I like how you emphasize the fact that the Lovato School and, and what you guys are teaching really sticks to the basics. You know, any saying of kind of behavior and life and stuff, like, you know, don't forget where you came from, you know, don't forget your roots because especially coaching at a youth level and especially in, in Nova Scotia and probably for the rest of the, the country as well, like the hockey model and stuff, everyone is so focused on competitions and the highlight reels and especially with our access to YouTube and stuff and, and you know, short attention spans, people are going to watch the highlight reel before they watch everything else. So those highlight reel guys, like what people don't realize is sure, they're the ones who get the publicity, but they come and go. It's the people that are just constantly working, grinding, it's the consistently putting the effort in, sticking to the basics and then building off that, right? With some some sort of progression, not just trying to do some flashy move because they saw it in a top 10 guard sweeps of the year on YouTube. Yeah. Right? Like it's, uh, you cannot overemphasize working from the basics and building that foundation before you start worrying about 
gold medals and, and all that and competitions and stuff because I mean like if you can't do the basics sure you might have some genetic factors that put you ahead of the competition especially at a younger age where there can be so much difference between uh, two kids that are you know a year apart let alone two kids the same age so I mean I love that you're emphasizing that basics and developmental side of things because it's, it's those guys that don't get the funky injuries it's those guys that last longer yeah, I mean, the, the great thing that we was a great addition to with the Lovato team is he has a basic curriculum. You know, any other jiu-jitsu team or group I've been with, you, you kind of had this basics that you were, you were taught. And like, you, you knew you needed to know this before you moved on, right? It was kind of like coach tells you, well, you need to know this and you need to know that. And that's great. But with the Lovato system, it's actually down on paper. So you need to know these moves and then your first week, okay, this is what we're going to train you. You're learning this. And then you're moving into your first stripe on your belt. And this is what you need to know. And then you're moving into your second stripe on your belt. This is what you need to know. Yeah, we're going to throw in a little bit of extra here and there. And in class time, you're going to be learning maybe something a little advanced while you're in there. But every day you're working that core curriculum in the Lovato system. And when you join up, you get that. So you know if, you know, especially with COVID or we're shut down for a week or something, or you're like, oh, you know, I, I got work and I, I missed class this week. You know, when you're at home, what you need to be practicing, even if it's a matter of just going in and finding one of the Lovato videos, uh, which there's thousands of them and, and reviewing, oh, that's what this move is. That's what this move is. You know, it's, it's all down. A student gets a piece of paper that says, this is your first stripe right up to blue belt. And then once we hit blue belt, we know you have the basics. So now it's about what's your game? What's your body style? I don't move like a 150 pound guy, you know, I don't move that way. Right. So his style is going to be a little different than my style, but because I know he has the basics because we've trained him, he's been tested on them. He's been graded on them. All this other, you know, stuff that you want, you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to develop my spider guard or oh, even if I want to develop my rubber guard, uh, something, you know, a 10th planet, they're like, okay, well, you got your basics, man. You can do whatever you want now. What's your body style telling you? How, you know, how can, how do you move? And, and that's really, you started at zero. You're now at the starting line because you're a blue belt. Let's see how you're going to run the race. And, and that's what you're really going to do once you get past that curriculum. You're going to just, how are you running the race? What's your style? You know, that's what we're trying to really build with these guys after they get to that blue belt level. Because like I said, we all move different. You know, you're like yourself, you, you wrestled, you're going to, you're going to grapple different than a guy that's never wrestled. Right. So how are you going to develop your system and your, your stuff? That's why we love this, this new team and this new direction we've, we've brought the jiu-jitsu program in. I, I really like that school of thought. And I think it's a sign of a good coach that can be flexible in, in programming and planning. It's the same thing in the strength and conditioning world. It's the same thing in the wrestling world, the judo world, and obviously the jujitsu, grappling, MMA, any of that, right? You can't just say it's my way or the highway. You have to be able to kind of manage different body types, different different training experiences, different mentalities, right? Like different personalities. They're, the, regardless of what the, the best guy in the world is doing, follow some of their general guidelines and foundations, but one person shouldn't be training in a carbon copy way to another person, right? People are so individual and specific and even down to kind of like the, the cellular level, the way we break down and absorb certain nutrients, the way our muscles respond to a, a training stimulus, the way our, our body can adapt uh, its workload for cardio, for quick bursts, right? It's, everyone's so specific and I think it's a sign of a good coach that can be 
flexible in their programming while keeping some foundational guidelines. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it was great to, to see that with this system and because I've always felt that way with, you know, my striking and my kickboxing, my Muay Thai and stuff. I always, I never want it and I'm glad I, I have that ability now to kind of learn how to do that in Jiu-Jitsu because I've always wanted that in, in my Muay Thai and my kickboxing athletes too and even my MMA athletes. But it was always a matter of, I don't want you guys to fight like me. You know what I mean? Don't do what I do unless it's it's what you feel comfortable with. So I always, you know, I always reach out to different coaches to train me so I can bring in different styles for my students in the Muay Thai and kickboxing programs that I teach also. You see it more now. And I, I mean, the coaches that I work with now, they, they are very open-minded. You know, they have their core system that they train under, but they're always looking at adapting and always looking at different coaches and, and how can they learn from other people. That gives you the ability that when you, when you see somebody walk in your gym and you're like, oh, I, 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 you see how they move, you're like, okay, I know how, what techniques are going to work good for this guy or how, how I'm going to bring him down this road and see how he adapts to this style of stand-up striking. You know, maybe he doesn't adapt to that. Maybe he is more the other way, but... You know, as a coach, if, if you've got such a rigid thought process of how something should be delivered, you're only going to have a small select group of athletes that can be like you, you know what I mean? Or be like you want them to be. I mean, I got three or four guys right now who are competitive or have been competitive. And, and I'd say, yeah, they all have certain aspects of the same style but they deliver it all different. You know, you know, it's, it's really, it's what I've, I've wanted to do in all my programs. So it, it was great to, to add that into the jujitsu program. And it's kind of given me a slight direction too, of how to build my other programs by using that same concepts. Cause you know, now I have validation. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, a world-class athlete and a world-class coach go, yeah, this is a good way of doing things. And I'm like, okay, how do I bring this over into my Muay Thai program? and kind of expand myself and look at different people and, and different uh, coaches to help me develop that jiu-jitsu mindset in the Muay Thai and kickboxing programs, right? Right on. Um, now, I know, uh, as you mentioned, the other programs, you know, we spend a lot of time on jiu-jitsu, and I mean, I'm much more comfortable with that as it's something I've participated in and also been, been around grappling sports. Being a master's student, I don't like getting hit too much in the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but I know that uh, you guys bring in some other pretty world-class athletes, especially on your Muay Thai side. Would you, would you like to speak to that a bit? Yeah, sure, man. I've, uh, I've kind of reached out. So that's, that's why I love uh, social media. People have said to me, they're like, how'd you meet this guy? And how'd you meet this guy? And I'm like, it's simple. I sent them a message. Right? <laughs> you know? And he got back to me. Right? So, I mean, the, the first, you know, kind of high-level competitor that I ever brought down is Gabriel Varga. And he's a multi-time world kickboxing champion. You know, he, he won glory title. Um, he's now a Bellator MMA fighter, but still holds the Bellator kickboxing title. So, I mean, he's world-class. I think, what's he now, seven-time? Every time I check his profile, I can never remember. I think he's seven or 12-time world champion, right? All depends how many times, you know, like the thing is with the world championships and kickboxing is, is technically every time you fight and you defend your championship, you're another time world champion, right? Oh, wow. So, yeah. So like basically, because every time you fight for a world title, you're technically putting it up and then you win it back, right? You retain it, but you win it back, right? So yeah, so Gabriel's, I think he's seven time world champion now. And like I said, it may even be higher because it all depends if you classify his amateur championship. So it all depends how you, you look at it. But he's 
multi-time world champion, amateur and professional, fought all around the world and has won <laughs> all <laughs> over the world. And he's from uh, Victoria. So uh, he, he came, he's comes down quite a bit. He hasn't been down the last couple of years between COVID and kind of the change of, of my team and, and, and affiliations and, and closing down and reopening. Uh, we just haven't had the chance to bring him back down. Uh, and he's been busy. He's been, uh, you know, switched his focus from kickboxing into MMA. So he's been training and just had a few Bellator fights. Um, I bring him down. I also, you know, I got in contact with Dave LaDuke, who is a, uh, He's a whole uh, kind of totally different style, right? If uh, if you look at what Gabriel is and you look at what uh, Dave LaDuke is, you, you wouldn't even think they're it's the same thing, right? They're totally different styles. And uh, Dave is the multi-time world champion in Lithway, which is basically it is similar to what you would see in, in Muay Thai. You know, um, Lithway guys don't like to describe it as like Muay Thai, but, it, you know, for an uneducated person who doesn't know much about striking, is it's basically like Muay Thai or like kickboxing. You stand up fighting. But what they do is they fight with no gloves. They only have tape on their hands and everything's legal. So knees, elbows, headbutts, throws. It's all legal in Lithway, and uh, that's a that's a combat sport based out of Myanmar, and that's just a neighbor of Thailand. So that's why the the styles a lot of people will be introduced from Lithway because they they know about Muay Thai, and that's what Dave did. You know, Dave went over to Tiger Muay Thai, and and then started mo- progressed down, and you know, because he's not your classic Muay Thai style person. He fights you know his own style, his own way, and it's it's, it's amazing when you watch him. Um, but he moved over to the Lithway and, uh, yeah, it's, it fought there under traditional rules. Uh, did the first Lithway World Championship here over the summer in Wyoming. It was the first time it was uh, there was a Lithway World Champion or Championship in, in the United States. So he was excited to do that. And now he's just in a holding pattern himself, waiting to see when the next, next fight or the ability to travel is going to open up so he can go back over and uh you know he fights for one um it's wc wlc world Lithuania championship i think is what it's called anyway it's one of the biggest international you know modernized versions of Lithway. the traditional rules of Lithway are, are a little different basically you don't win the fight unless you knock the other person unconscious if both of you fight the whole fight and no one goes unconscious like out cold and can't get up then it's ruled a draw so he won that championship and then has moved on to this other organization, which is, you know, slightly modernizing the, the sport and, you know, having a decision or, you know, and, and different stuff like that. So it's a little more spectator friendly. Those are the two big world championship guys that I bring down. And then I also started working with one of the great, well, he is a, one of the national coaches for Muay Thai. And uh, the guy's got a brain for, for Muay Thai, um, like I've never seen before, is uh, Crew Jeff out of uh, New Era Combat. And I tried, I brought, I had a chance to bring him down once uh, before we had to, you know, all the switch over teams and everything. But when we were at national championship, the end, it was like November of uh, 2019. We, uh, we did nationals in Muay Thai and I was lucky enough to have him work in the corner with me, with my fighter. So, you know, I mean, um, I'm always picking his brain and, and watching him grind and uh, watching him keep building his business in Ontario under this crazy way that you have to teach online yeah so that's a guy I, I train Muay Thai with under now he's the guy that I go to for my traditional Muay Thai that if I want to do a seminar or have a question I reach out to crew Jeff and I have say Gabriel Varga and Dave LaDuke who are my kickboxing and in the Lithway side 
So our styles kind of vary, which is also another reason why I say I was like learning from everybody because those are three hugely different styles. Nobody fights the same. They're all stand-up fighting, but Gabriel's kickboxing is different than Dave's Lithway, which is different than Crew Jeff's Muay Thai, right? Yeah, so that's the end of that end. And uh, I don't got one direct team that I'm with all the time there. It all depends what rules set and, uh, and who we're training under that time. And that kind of blends into uh, to make our, our clinch Muay Thai or our striking program with, uh, with those three guys. <laughs> right on. And, you know, you might have covered it already. So if you have, I guess we've covered this question because it sounds like you have truly made an investment in yourself in your club and in your athlete by taking your time and either going to or bringing these extremely high level athletes in in all the different sports that would fit into uh, the the MMA club. And it's been quite a recurring theme with other guests on this show, but you're constantly pursuing to further your knowledge. And I've said this before, but it's such an important thing for coaches and athletes and really anyone in any profession, academics, athletics, whatever. You have to constantly kind of further and update your knowledge based on new trends, new evidence, new styles, different requirements for different athletes. Just because things change, right? The sports develop and a lot of sports will go in cycles where one technique might be dominant for four or five years and and then people clue in on, okay, everyone's using this, so let's start training to defend it. Then you see that everyone's defense comes up, so that old technique starts to get phased out and and then a a new one comes in, right? So if you're not constantly pursuing that further education within whatever you're doing, then you're really doing a disservice to yourself and anyone else you service, which for you would be your athletes. So yeah, back to the next question. So again, you might have covered it already, but so what do you feel that you're doing to stand out and kind of get ahead in, in the MMA world right now for your gym and for your athletes? You know, the standout basically, I mean, I, I think our, our strength is exactly what I've been kind of talking on. Our coaches never stop learning and we work with our athletes. We work with their strengths. You know, we spend time personally as much as we can. You know, we all have lives and, and families and stuff like that. So you give as much as you can to your athlete. And, uh, you know, you spend that extra time talking and, and kind of addressing their concerns and you know, helping them control, you know, affecting them in their personal lives. Because when you're a coach, you know, and you have an athlete that's training for competition, their personal life is going to be, you know, a huge aspect, you know, and what do they need? So sometimes, you know, I, I always say, number one, our ability to adapt and fight and coach anybody that can uh, in, in any aspect they need. If they, they want to be a jiu-jitsu athlete, they want to be an MMA athlete, they want to be a striking athlete, we have that ability, right? We're not a one-trick pony. And that's kind of just the way I've always wanted it. I, I wanted to be able to coach everybody in every aspect. But also, I think our, one of our strengths is our ability for our coaches to just relate, you know, relate and build relationship with our athletes. If they need us on a Friday night at seven o'clock at night, you know, I mean, I'm always going to take their call. I always tend to try to stay in contact even with our former athletes or, you know, even people who have left our team and, and moved on to other teams. I, I always greet them with a smile and a handshake. Not that you're allowed to shake hands right now with COVID. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> but that's, I think that's always been the strength of our team and our coaching staff. And those are the people I've always want to bring in on our team you know what's your specialty you know maybe you're a good coach but you're also you're also good at something else you know something you know you can you can talk to people maybe you're an amazing coach but you're kind of not a nice person there's not really a spot for you in in our team i don't need that drama i've been in this business a long time i've had those people 
you know, those people have moved on and found homes or found other places to coach. And, and that's great, man. And it's not because they were necessarily a bad person or it's just maybe they just weren't a fit for our team. So I really try to blend the coaching and the athletes into a group that, that can kind of work together and build the team, right? That kind of answers that and does it all at the same time, right? Oh, no, I, I think it perfectly does. I think especially with combat sports and grappling sports, you see this, see this a lot, but team culture is so important. And I mean, like you said, maybe someone who came in that not necessarily they're a bad person, but they didn't fit, right? Yeah. And you know, that's kind of a team culture and the team has to have a vision. There has to be buy-in. People have to be on the same page, right? Because one person who kind of gets in there, it's almost like a, a rot and it'll spread, right? Like someone breaking that team culture can really, you know, sink the ship altogether. Yeah. I mean, you, you just a little bit of poison will destroy things. And, and you know, I, I've not identified that sometimes and then lost groups of students over the years because of, you know, one person I, I didn't necessarily realize that was happening. And sometimes you don't, sometimes you, you put yourself away from the situation and you put your trust in the certain people and, maybe you think you have the same vision and then it turns out you didn't. And, and, you know, sometimes it takes some time to rebuild that culture or get those students back, or maybe you never get those students back, but, uh, or those athletes training again, or maybe you get a student that you have a great athlete and, and a new person comes in and, you know, maybe they don't treat that new person correctly. And that person has a bad taste in their mouth for, for the sport. So, I mean, we try our best and say, I've been perfect over the years no, <laughs> I haven't been. But, you know, as we learn and as we grow, I think as coaches and as athletes, you start to learn how to identify that, right? And then that's where we're at now with this team is bringing in all the right people, building the team with the right group of people that have a similar vision, right? Unreal. Well, I mean, we're coming up on kind of the, I think, 35 or even 40 minute marks. So I don't want to keep you too long, but just right. as we're wrapping up here, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but how has COVID sort of affected you and your work, which is clinch, right? Like you said, it's the business. Um, and what considerations and modifications have you had to make to continue being able to provide that service to your athletes? Yeah, I mean, the biggest problem that we've hit with COVID has been basically we reopened the new team, you know, with the new affiliations and, and the new coaching staff. And after leaving our separating with our former team, we reopened with clinch. And we were closed down a week later. Yeah, so we reopened and, you know, had a big grand opening, knowing we were going to be shut down. But it was like, we just got back from Oklahoma, just got back with a new affiliation. We wanted to have the grand opening. And then COVID hit the Maritimes and we were shut down. And then we were shut down till June, I think it was. And yeah, we, we got some great steam underneath of us. and We were going good. And then we were shut down in November. Right. So the, the hardest thing... I find navigating this. I'm lucky the rest of the ownership in clinch now, they're great with this stuff. You know, I don't have to focus on what's the rules and, and, and what do we need to do and what's the regulations and, and how do we open? And I, you know, I mean, I'm so lucky with that right now is that uh, my partners, uh, Erica and, and Adam, they know that shit. I don't have to worry about that stuff, man. They just tell me what the new regulations are and when we're going to open and how we're going to do it. And we just implement. So I've been lucky with that where that hasn't put a lot of stress on, on my day-to-day -day coaching because I have great people in the background that are taking care of it. Now saying that, you know, it's stressful because right now we're under an aspect of only 25 people 
allowed in at a time. So each program has its own team of 25 people. And you say 25 people, but that's 23 people because you need a couple coaches on the mat. So our ability to go in and what we would do in the past where we'd go in and we would advertise and we would promote the team and we'd build it and we would do all this stuff. We can't do that because we're always working underneath this restriction of a certain amount of people. We were lucky enough that when we reopened, we brought in, you know, a rival boxing team as, as part of Team Clinch. And they had a great following. So, I mean, it's been great. That program has, has been crazy because we had some amazing coaches over there that had a great following. So they have a good following coming them in. So that program's always full. The jiu-jitsu program is, is always building. So that program's always full. And the Muay Thai program has been our slowest program rebuilding after COVID shutdown. Just because trying to reach out and trying to, to tell people about our jiu-jitsu, about our Muay Thai, you know, about our boxing programs you can't spend a lot of money on advertising in COVID because you don't know when you're going to be shut down again. So I found we get a little steam underneath of us. We get some, you know, some social media buzz. People are, you know, we're lucky. People are always asking to join. No, people are always joining. So we, we've been good, but we just get that steam, man. We get that train rolling. Boxing's full of capacity. Muay Thai is building up. Jiu-Jitsu is building up. And then we get a shutdown, <laughs> right? So it's just trying to get the momentum, man. When you're building a martial arts facility or, you know, a team, a combat, you need that steam, man. You need to go in. You need to, to get the guys that want to compete, competing and winning and, and showing good in the, in the public's eyes. And then, you know, their buddies see them on social media. And the other teams are seeing you and you become a force, right? And I don't, we just haven't had that ability to go out there and build that force and that show, you know, this new team clinch and what we're all about. So we're kind of always trying to get people to come through the doors instead of going out to them, kind of instead of putting banners up all over the, the city and the, all over Sackville and Bedford, you know, we're kind of just doing it on social media, which is great, but you're kind of scared to make that jump to kind of tell everybody you're there because you don't know when the next shutdown's coming. So uh, yeah, it's definitely the inability to generate any, any steam, any forward motion with the team, I, I think has been the hardest thing, right? Yeah. And I mean, I can definitely sympathize with that, but to make a, a good out of a shitty situation, you know, seeing the videos you, we were just talking about before we started that you've been putting up of you guys training, it's really nice to see that in spite of everything, as soon as you can, you guys are working full steam ahead and trying to, uh, trying to progress and trying to build this thing. I mean, uh, so we've talked about, uh, as we wrap up here, we've talked about um, clinch MMA, clinch martial arts pretty often, but uh, where can people find you? Find us at 22 Glendale in Lower Sackville and uh, we're unit six. Just got to look for the sign. And uh, <laughs> any other uh, clinics or projects or programs or social media you'd like to highlight? Uh, social media, you can always find us on uh, Clinch Training Center, and that's Facebook, Instagram. I even got a TikTok account, right? So, um, <laughs> all the and for me personally, I got my uh, Clinch underscore Kevin is my personal Instagram account, and then just Kevin Tebow on Facebook. Excellent. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for volunteering your time today and telling us a little bit about your uh, journey through to where you got to today with, with Clinch and uh, your training fundamentals and, and everything like that. I think it's really important for people to hear and, and hopefully uh, a couple of our listeners here will reach out and come to Clinch and give it all a try. 
Awesome, man. Doors are always open. You know, I like to say everybody's welcome all the time. But, uh, uh, you know, in today's world, just got to let me know when you're coming so we, we know you're on your way. <laughs> yeah, just give a little heads up. And, I mean, I can't wait to swing by here once uh, school winds down a bit in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, man. Doors are, are open. I always uh, got to pick your brain a little bit, right? You got some expertise <laughs> in your background there. We got we to gotta add that into the clinch, the team clinch, right? So. Yes, sir. Maybe I'll be a special clinician sometime. <laughs> That's right, man. Always part of the team, right? We need, we need those strengths, right? We always need somebody. Always. Everybody's got something they can give to the team, whether a coach, a student, or a supporter, right? And that's such a good mentality to have, right? You can get something from, from everyone. You just got to find their, their role. Thank you so much for joining today. And, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Have a good one. All right, man. Thank you.